Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's Friday, 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 Friday. It's the first day of September 2023, and this is episode 786 of Bitcoin. And I'm announcing that later on today, I will be doing a live nest with Rev.Hoddle about the, well, we're definitely going to be talking about his permaculture class that he's going to be teaching out there in Baroda, Michigan, on September the 17th, he will also be having a brief get-together. Well, not brief, but a get-together the night before. It'll be a Bitcoin meetup, bring your own beer. Set, uh, let's see, that'll be September the 16th, so that'll be the day before. We're going to talk about all that. I'm going to try to get his views on permaculture. We're going to be doing that today at 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. 1 p.m. That's today. And we're going to be doing a live nest. So I got to get this thing done and then get a new nest up and running. I, if you guys want to be part of that, then join that nest. I will announce it on Noster as normal. Now, where the hell are we? Uh, SEC, let's just let's get into the meat and potatoes of today. Um, it's, it, to me, I think Gary Gensler was got his feelings hurt. <laughs> Poor little baby. Where's my... Do I have a baby noise? Hold on for a second. Let me see if I got a baby noise out here. Uh, crying baby. That's around here somewhere. I used to have it. Baby crying. Yeah, there we go. Baby crying. Well, poor little guy. Anyway, that may not actually... Anybody on Noster Nest that is listening live right now won't be able to hear that because my setup is... I, I am no Adam Curry. I'm just not. So one of these days I'll figure that part out. But I do this show every day for you guys. And that doesn't leave a whole lot of time left over for, you know, figuring out new and improved ways to do things. Although I should be doing that, that whatever. SEC, good Lord. SEC delays BlackRock, Fidelity, and others spot Bitcoin ETF applications. Yeah, I know. I can tell by the price. Uh, Nick Hoffman has it for Bitcoin Mag. The SEC has just delayed BlackRock, Fidelity, WisdomTree, Invesco, and Galaxy, Vanek, Bitwise, and Valkyrie spot Bitcoin ETF applications. As first reported by Bloomberg ETF analyst James Seifert and Eric Balkunas. This was the first SEC decision deadline in the listing process for these applicants since filing with the delays pushing these applications back another 45 days. The next bulk of deadlines are being slated for the middle of October. Earlier this week, Grayscale won its lawsuit with the SEC resulting in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals vacating the SEC's denial of Grayscale's GBTC conversion into a spot Bitcoin ETF. Well, this means... 
It will be sent back to the SEC, in which now the commission has 45 days to appeal and file for an in-bank hearing if they wish to do so. While this victory in court does not mean GBTC is automatically being converted to a spot Bitcoin ETF, the ruling does help bring us one step closer to one being approved by the SEC. Because the United States Courts of Appeal shot down the SEC's reasonings for denying Grayscale's application, stating, quote, the commission neither disputed Grayscale's evidence that the spot and future markets for Bitcoin are 99.9% correlated, nor suggested that market inefficiencies or other factors would undermine the correlation. The commission explained a discounting of the obvious financial and mathematical relationships between the spot and futures market falls short of the standard for reasoned decision-making. Holy crap, I didn't read any of that part in yesterday's news stories about the SEC or the day before. Honestly, man, it's the D.C. Court of Appeals is really knocking Gary Gensler about the head and shoulders. This is actually rather quite embarrassing uh, sentences being written out of the D.C. District Court. Anyway, yesterday, Bloomberg analysts Seyfert and Balchunas upped their approval odds for or by the SEC for a spot Bitcoin ETF to 75% by the end of the year and 95% by the end of 2024. Yay. Okay, so what's the big what's the big deal here is the fact that they delayed everybody. They delayed everybody. I mean, they're going to have to take, you know, and, and maybe that is a procedural issue internal to the SEC where they were saying, look, we're, we're going to have to review. We now have been told by D.C. District, Record, uh, District Court that we have to review the Grayscale ETF, and that gave them 45 days. In a way, it actually kind of makes sense for the SEC to say, you know what, we're just going to we're going to reset the whole field. And everything gets delayed by 45 days. That, that's not outside the realm of possibility. So it may not be the case that Gary Gensler is in a snit and is all crying and decides to make everybody's life miserable, right? This may be, like I said, procedural. And in a very real way, it kind of makes sense to say, all right, everybody is now back on the even playing field if we got to give 45 days to review, you know, or we're going to have to give 45 days to review GBTC and the grayscale thing, we're just going to throw everything into the same pot where nobody will be able to bitch and moan at all about somebody got preferential treatment in their review process. That honestly, it does make a little bit of sense. But you know how to how, notice how I said that Bitwise was in there? Well, Bitwise did a little bit of rethinking. Cointelegraph, Amaka Nawachaka, I know I butchered her name and I'm, I'm sorry about that, but Bitwise has fully withdrawn their Bitcoin and Ether market cap ETF application. In an unexpected turn of events, Bitwise submitted a request to retract its application for its Bitcoin and Ether market cap weight strategy exchange traded fund. Initially filed with the SEC on August the 3rd. While market sentiment turned bullish following Grayscale's SEC victory, Bitwise appears to be reassessing its strategy. The withdrawal of the ETF application was unexpected. However, in the filing statement, or in the filing, a statement read, 
The fund seeks to provide investors with capital appreciation. There can be no assurance that the fund will achieve its investment objective. Pausing. Pausing. Who wrote this statement? Actually, given this statement, who over a bitwise thought it was a good idea to throw in an application at all? There can be no assurance that the fund will achieve its investment objective. Well, then why the hell did you even create the instrument and then get it, put it in front of the SEC to get it reviewed? Time ticks on for everybody. And I may not be a big fan of the SEC. They are, you know, it is headed by people. And people only have so much time on this planet. And it sounds to me like Bitwise just wasted a bunch of people's time. Whatever. Bitwise Chief Investment Officer Matt Hoogan advocated for SEC approval of all ETFs in a recent Bloomberg interview. The ETF intended to invest in either Bitcoin future contracts or Ether futures contracts determined by market cap. Bitwise also collaborated with ProShares to launch another ETF around the same time. In the withdrawal statement, Bitwise said, quote, The trust no longer intends to seek effectiveness of the fund and no securities of the fund were sold or will be sold pursuant to the above-mentioned post-effective amendment to the trust registration statement, end quote. The SEC has delayed its decision on, yes, and we know it's on all of the spot Bitcoin ETFs. Bitwise was among the early asset management firms that lodged applications with the SEC for Bitcoin ETF products. It's January 2019 application with the Securities and Exchange Commission regulator proposed a BTC-backed ETF tracking the Bitwise Bitcoin total return index, which is calculated based on the value of Bitcoin derived from BTC transactions taking place on exchanges. The company's proposed Bitcoin ETF was touted to draw market data from a number of cryptocurrency exchanges in an effort to provide a trusted representation of the wider cryptocurrency markets. The firm would also require third-party custodians to physically hold Bitcoin. Bitwise's recent withdrawal isn't its first. Earlier this year, it submitted an application for an Ethereum strategy ETF designed to invest in both front-time and back-time Ethereum futures. However, the asset manager withdrew its application just one week later. What are they doing over at Bitwise that they keep screwing this up for themselves? And honestly, the, the fact that they were going to use multiple oracles for pricing uh, Bitcoin uh, on all these exchanges. I don't know why that won't, why they think that that's not satisfactory in their own filing. Sure, the SEC could say, I don't care. We don't like you and we're never going to give you a spot Bitcoin ETF or whatever. But the fact that they're willing to use a third-party custodian, which satisfies SEC requirements, and the fact that they were going to be tracking multiple markets for pricing Bitcoin in a, a in a decent way, limits the amount of market manipulation that they would actually be able to perform, which is one of the things the SEC is so damned concerned about. And yet, here they are withdrawing again. And honestly, kind of doesn't help the field and makes Bitwise look like they kind of don't know what they're doing, but uh, I'm not there, so whatever. Now, speaking of withdrawing, people are withdrawing their Bitcoin from exchanges. Thank you. 
Coindesk, Omkar Godbowl. <clears throat> Bitcoin holdings on crypto exchanges dwindle to 2 million, the fewest since January of 2018. And if you were around at that time, 2018 was a hard, hard lesson for us all. The number of Bitcoin held in addresses tied to central exchanges slid to the lowest level in more than five years, partially reflecting a growing market sophistication. Well, one can hope. The so-called exchange reserve dropped 4% to 2 million BTC, about $54 billion this month, the fewest since January of 2018, according to on-chain data analytics service CryptoQuant. The decline represents both positive and negative developments, including the rising popularity of services like crypto custodian Cooper's Clearloop, which allows users to trade without moving funds to centralized exchanges. Quote, <clears throat> it partly reflects the increased demand for services like Cooper's Clearloop, which requires only a minimum of coins to be posted on exchanges that are a natural progression of the crypto market where exchanges will have to work. With lower balances, said Marcus Thielen, head of research and strategy at Matrixport, quote, over time, this will make cryptocurrencies exchanges less important and exchanges might have to find new business models to keep profitability high. Matrixport joined Clearloop in May, offering institutional clients off-exchange settlement. Since Sam Bankman-Fried's exchange, FTX, went bust in November of last year, investors have increasingly preferred to keep coins off of centralized exchanges. We've only been telling you this since forever. From what we know now, FTX, formerly the world's third largest exchange by volume traded, commingled user funds, denting investor confidence. Denting? Denting, you didn't just dent that car, you totaled that song, bitch. According to Thielen, the dwindling exchange balance represents that. Quote, the misusage of customer funds through the FTX leadership has reminded investors about the importance of self-custody, Thielen told Coindesk. Price Waterhouse Cooper's annual global crypto hedge fund report uh, published last month shows that most industry players now prefer multiple forms of custody with only 9% of the respondents leaving coins exclusively on exchanges. Market-neutral discretionary long-only strategies, quantitative long and short and discretionary long-short strategies overwhelmingly prefer third-party custodians. Sounds like you're just sucking on derivatives at that point, but whatever. Among the four, funds with a long-only strategy hold the fewest coins on exchanges in both commingled and segregated accounts. Quote, it seems the overwhelming majority of crypto hedge funds are seeking to mitigate as much risk as possible after the events of last year, keeping only those assets required for day-to-day -day trading on exchanges, the report said. One interpretation of a dwindling exchange balance is that it indicates investor preference for taking direct custody of coin to hold them for the long term in anticipation of a price increase. In other words, it shows investor confidence in cryptocurrency's long-term prospects. The bullish interpretation is still valid, according to Thielen. Quote, after the 2022 price declines, investors are taking a buy and hold investment approach, he said. Okay, well, at least you're holding it yourself. And that's what this real, that's what the importance of this entire thing right here is that it does appear that we can, that it, it 
it does suggest, let's say that, it does suggest that there are more people that are using the tools of self-custody and not relying on third-party exchanges. And we've been wanting this for a long time. And this is exactly when you want to do it. You, the, the bear market is nowhere close to over. I know everybody wishes it was. I, we saw that we saw the wedge BART. It's like a BART, but it's, it had, it's lopsided, so I just called it a wedge BART. I tried looking for a picture of one of MC Hammer's crew, you know, back in the 80s. He had a haircut that had a wedge on it, and I swear to God, it looked exactly like what I saw in the charts yesterday as we got pummeled on the other side of the wedge BART pattern. In either event, we're back exactly where the hell we were before SEC lost its lawsuit to Grayscale. It's like, eh. And, and that other side of the BART was accelerated by the delays that were announced by the SEC. Because confidence in the market right now is basically held by a bunch of babies. It, I'm sorry, but it is. It's like, oh my God, it's the, now it's so over. It's so over. No, it's not. This is going to be a slog. It was a slog in the last bear market. It was a slog for the people that were in the bear market before that. And I was one of those people, but because I didn't hold any Bitcoin at any highs previously, it didn't feel like a bear market to me. When I was throwing 250 bucks a month for a little while at Bitcoin, when it was about 300, uh, that didn't feel like a bear market, right? So, but I was knee deep in that bear market, but my sentiment was completely different because I hadn't experienced the high. It's a matter of perception. And if your perception is always guided by the fiat price of Bitcoin, you're not going to have all that good of a time. In fact, 25% of the time in Bitcoin, you're going to be happy. 75% of the time, you're going to be sad and having a bad day. Why? Because we refuse to think of Bitcoin in any other terms than its fiat value. Sure, we want Bitcoin to have purchasing power, but we keep measuring that purchasing power in terms of fiat currency, which can no longer be trusted. Just saying. Think about that. I was in the depths of the bear market for a full year. A full year. And I didn't feel that bear market in 2015 at all. Think about that. If if you've been on a high and now you're in this bear market, you're feeling it. I was in the bear market in 2015. I didn't feel it at all. It's a matter of perception. Just like... Well, let's see, where are we at? Just like Robinhood, their perception is that they are following through with getting all of their shares back from Sam Bankman-Fried because they have bought Sam Bankman-Fried's stake from U.S. government for $606 million. By the way, this is Turner Wright writing it for Cointelegraph. Cryptocurrency and stock trading platform Robinhood has announced the purchase of of more than 55 million shares of the firm previously held by former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried 
According to an August 31st blog post, Robinhood completed the purchase of 55.27 million shares for roughly $606 million U.S. following a filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. The shares, originally held by Bankman Fried and FTX co-founder Gary Wang through Emergent Fidelity Technologies, were seized in January by the United States Department of Justice. The purchase had been expected. Robinhood's board of directors announced the approval of the deal in the company's fourth quarter 2022 report and on an August 30 SEC filing said that the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York had approved the purchase free and clear of any claims, interest, liens, or encumbrances. Robinhood made the repurchase agreement with the United States Marshal Service. Quote, we are happy. Happy, happy, happy to have completed the purchase of these shares and look forward to executing on our growth plans. On behalf of our customers and shareholders, put a tie on that suit speak, said Robin Hood Chief Financial Officer Jason Warnick. Emergent Fidelity Technologies, Bankman Fried's holding company, filed for bankruptcy in February. The company had already been a target of crypto lending firm BlockFi, which filed for bankruptcy following the collapse of FTX over the 55 million Robinhood shares pledged as collateral. Amid FTX's own bankruptcy proceedings, SBF, BlockFi, and FTX creditor Jonathan Ben-Shimon had been fighting legal battles over ownership of the roughly $600 million in Robinhood shares. Bankman Fried's legal team argued the former FTX CEO had a claim to the assets to pay for his criminal defense. Currently remanded to jail following a judge revoking his bail, Bankman Fried is expected to appear in court for his first trial starting on October the 3rd. Yeah, but they're trying to delay that, so just be aware that that's in the wind twisting out there. Uh, Price of Robinhood shares on NASDAQ increased 4%. Following the purchase from $10.85 per share to $11.34 at the time of publication, Crypto Sluice recently revealed that the firm was the owner of the fifth largest Ether wallet worth more than $2.5 billion. Yay! I just, they're holding on to their, their bags. Anyway, so what happened? Robinhood bought all their shares back that were seized from Sam Bankman Fried and held by the United States Marshal Service. Uh, in a lump sum for $606 million. Of course, that's going to make Robinhood's investors happy because essentially what they got is a share buyback program uh, mediated by the United States government. By the United States government. Let me say that again. By the United States government. Because those shares were held by the Marshall Service and not on an exchange, Robinhood did not actually jack with the price of their own shares meaning that they would have paid more. Because if they were out buying this crap on the open market and doing a share buyback plan, right, then people go, oh, shit, look at, their, look at the exchanges. There's like all this volume of, of these 55.72 million shares of Robinhood start cycling through the exchanges. And all of a sudden, people are going to see that. And that price is going to go up, which means they're going to have to pay more. But if your friends over there at the United States Marshal Service just holds a whole bunch of them all at once and you do a an off-the-books transaction, well, then nobody really knows. It's not; It hasn't been filtered through exchanges. There's no telemetry being transmitted to the market. So the market has no idea what the hell is going on. So thank you, Marshall Service, I'm sure is exactly what Robin Hood executives are saying for allowing them not to pump the price of their uh, 
their shares before they actually got a hold of all of the shares. Brazil, wow. The, okay, this is, you're going to want to listen to this one. Be very aware about this whole streaming thing. Why? Because a Brazilian crypto streamer lost $50,000 by accidentally exposing his private key. Helen Parts, Cointelegraph, with the tale of woe, Brazilian cryptocurrency streamer Fraternade Whatever Crypto is one of the latest victims of unsafe self-custody practices, reportedly losing thousands of dollars due to a private key incident. There's been an incident on Kronos. If anybody gets that reference, I'll give you 10 sats. Uh, during a live stream on YouTube on August 29th, the owner of that channel Ivan Bianco unwittingly exposed his private key to a self-custodial cryptocurrency wallet in the middle of the live stream related to Bitcoin and blockchain games. Bianco apparently tried to access his passwords for the blockchain games platform Gala Games through a text file on his computer. Unfortunately for the streamer, his Gala Games password was stolen in the same text file as the seed phrase for his MetaMask wallet which had a significant amount of Polygon's Matic coin. Shortly after accidentally opening the text file, which exposed two private keys for his cryptocurrency wallets, Bianco closed the live stream, but apparently it was already too late to recover the funds for the streamer. He subsequently started a new live stream, claiming that one of his viewers managed to access his MetaMask wallet through the private key and stole his entire Polygon stash of 86,000 Matic. At the time of the accident, the amount was worth $50,000. Quote, I accidentally showed my private key live and the person had really quickly sent it to another address. I tried to close the broadcast and send crypto to another address, but it was too late, Bianco said in an emotional video that followed the incident. In the video, the streamer provided a link to the Polygon address of the unknown perpetrator. The 86,000 Matic stash then started to be transferred across different addresses. Bianco claimed that he lost his entire life savings to the accident, pleading with the stream viewer to return the money for a reward. The YouTuber also said that he was planning to file a complaint with the local police, noting that about 70 people were watching his unfortunate live stream. According to some online sources, uh, he might have managed to retrieve at least some of the funds so far. Local crypto executive Guilherme Reno took to X, formerly Twitter, on August the 30th to report that there have been rumors that Bianco eventually managed to recover a good part of the money. Quote, self-custody is something that demands extreme care, the executive noted, adding that crypto users should never ever store their seeds and passwords on their computers or in an easily accessible place. Contacted by Cointelegraph, Bianco said that he has somehow managed to recover 86,000 Matic, but still has to recover his non-fungible tokens. Quote, I recovered $50,000. Everything else is still lost in calculable value as they are NFTs. (laughs) Estimated value of approximately $15,000 still lost. Bianco noted, adding that he also lost some ether On the ARB network, there is nothing more important than the security of a private key when it comes to the self-custody of crypto. It's crucial 
to be very careful with handling a private key or a seed phrase. And for some, it might be just a better idea to opt for custodial solutions such as exchanges instead. No, no, no. I'm just going to stop reading that right there. No. Yeah, the first part of that paragraph was absolutely correct. The security of your private key is really important and you should learn how to do it. But defaulting to an exchange is not the freaking answer. If you want to default to a third party, then do it with somebody like Unchained Capital. Not because they'll take custody of everything, but because they will help you collaboratively custody your private keys. That means that even if they go, if they try to steal it themselves, they can't. They don't have enough of the keys, right? They need two, like a basic schema that these guys use, two or three multi-sig. They hold one, you hold one, and you find one other person to hold one. No one person can actually spend those coins all by themselves. And un- and don't tell Unchained who owns the third the third one, right? It that, that way you and Unchained can come together and then you can spend the coins. And we're talking about cold storage. When we talk about spend, I'm not talking about buying something with it as much as you're ready to buy a house, you're ready to go pull, you know, eight or nine Bitcoin out of your savings of Unchained. You call them up, you say, hey, you got to do a spend. I got to get this over to this other wallet. And then all of a sudden you're in control of that wallet. But while it was in cold, cold storage, no one person would. So you could have exposed your key, your private key for your part of the multi-sig on the live stream and nobody would have been able to steal your Bitcoin. That's the beauty of multi-sig. So anyway, uh, where are we at? Oh shit, it's time to run numbers. Oil. Earl. West Texas is up just over two points. It's up to $85.34. Brent North Sea is almost up two points to 88 bucks and 37 cents. Natural gas is also up over two points, $2.82 per thousand. Gasoline is up one and a half to $2.60. Metals mixed, mostly doing bad. Gold is down scant, nineteen sixty-five and eighty cents. Silver is down two thirds. Platinum is down scant. Copper is up one point one three percent. Palladium is up point seven two. Ag, what's ag doing today? Ag is well, mostly in the green, looking pretty good. Lumber is down just over a point. That's good for home building if anybody's actually building any homes. Uh, biggest winner today is going to be sugar, two and a half to the upside. Biggest loser is, in fact, coffee, 1.52% to the downside. I got live cattle up or no, just do, do, nope, down, 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 uh, about a half a point. Lean hogs, however, are up a half, but feeder cattle are likewise down, but two thirds of a point. Dow is up, yeah, scant, 0.08%. S&P is down scant. NASDAQ futures is down a third, but the S&P mini is up 0.83%. Real money down to 25806 bucks and 28 cents. Average transaction values are 0.69 BTC. Median transaction values are $76. Block times are coming back in line with reality. 10 minutes and 8 seconds. It got 0.17 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 25.26 taken overall in fees in the past 24 hours with a, wow, 12.5% rise in hash rate 
We're at 404.83 exahashes per second, and your shitcoin indicator, as always, is Doge, 6.3 United States pennies, because people still are holding on to that bag of dog crap. Four, no, $504.3 billion is the market capitalization of Bitcoin today. That is 3.9% of gold's market cap. You can, if you so choose, purchase 13.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,473,224.32 of. 4,680.17 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $121.2 million. Uh, that's being run over 16,182 nodes that we can see, sporting 68,010 payment channels that we know about, and 73.9% of all of it's being run over Tor. Uh, wow, mempools are looking full, dude. A hundred and over 170 blocks carrying 505,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. High priority transactions going to cost you 18 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority is going to go for 15 and anything under 6.88 Satoshis per V-byte going to be purged from mempools around the world. Now, Hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 394 exahashes per second. So that's pretty close to 404. Hash rate coming back up, even in the face of declining prices. We might ask ourselves what the hell's going on because it looked to me like a lot of miners were not able to afford at, uh, to mine at those prices as of yesterday. But I don't know. Maybe they got a second wind. Whatever. I'm number five. Bitcoin and podcast is number five on fountain charts, and that is due to not me, but you and people like the wild hustle with a 10,000 Satoshi boost says for the charts. Thank you, dude. Letter 6173 with a striper boost 7777. Great week of shows. Thank you, bro. Dubrovko with 1010 says, did you know that Paul Walker didn't just play an undercover cop? His grandfather father was Chuck Norris's character based upon him. To learn more, just Google Operation Fast and Furious to learn more. The more you know. Okay, that one, the fa- Operation Fast and Furious probably won't get you in trouble like searching for blue waffles. And don't, 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 do not search blue waffles, please. Don't, don't do it. Just keep your sanity pies with 500 another great one on noster thank you god's death 370 thank you sir no thank you user with a lot of numbers 222 says this podcast is slowly becoming a must listen every day keep up the good work and dedication absolutely henry g qj 200 says glad you found pfaf.org useful that's pfaf.org I use it so much, I hadn't considered that other people didn't know about it. If anyone is in an area that doesn't have pounds, euros, or dollars as their local currency, please let them know the benefits of sending BTC when emailing them. Thank you all. No, thank you, Henry. That website is freaking awesome because of not only the size of the database, it's search functions which means that every one of those eight over 8,000 records that are for 8,000 plants has metadata out the wazoo, and they took a lot of care in making sure that that metadata was exposed so that they would be able to provide the search engine that they have provided, and it is honestly one of the best websites I've ever seen. 
Thank you so much for letting me know about that. If you have any other website recommendations for Regen Ag, permaculture, plants, gardening, stuff like that, feel free because this one blew my mind. God's death with a hundred. PFAF.org. This is amazing. Yeah, no shit, right? Pies with a hundred. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And the Wild Hustle actually beat Pies to the Punch. He's last on the list. The Wild Hustle with 100 Satoshis. Still waiting on Venn Data to hook me up with an algorithm. Keep up the great work, brother. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of news you can use. United States August jobs. Uh, 187,000 versus estimates for 170K. The unemployment rate has risen to 3.8%. Yes, exactly. Coindesk. Stephen Alfer is going to tell us a little bit about the macro going on in the world today. The United States added 187,000 jobs in August versus expectations for 170 and up from a downwardly revised 157,000 in July. The unemployment rate for August was 3.8% versus forecast for 3.5% and last month's 3.5%. The price of Bitcoin was little changed at just above 26000 in the minutes following Friday morning's reports from the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Traditional markets, however, are reacting with the United States stock index futures moving higher. Yeah, but as we saw, no longer because this was written a few hours ago. While the greenback and treasury yields slip lower. Been a rough week for Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. They're going to rehash the ETF and SEC and GBTC. I've already done that for you. Uh, With the ETF uh, hopes shelved for what could be many more months, Bitcoin bulls might be looking to a softening in the economy and thus lower interest rates as a possible catalyst. I wouldn't look for that. While this morning's report provided some interest in the form of rising unemployment rate and a downward revision to July's job additions, Bitcoin so far is showing no positive reaction. Checking other report details, hourly average earnings were higher by 0.2% in August against forecast of 0.3 and down from 0.4 in July. On a year-over-year basis, average hourly earnings were up 4.3% in August versus forecast of 4.4% and down from 4.4% in July. The CME FedWatch tool continues to show traders fully expecting the United States Federal Reserve to remain on hold at its September meeting. The odds of a rate hike at the early November meeting remain about one chance in three. All right. What do you think? You think Jerome's going to keep the lid on it or you think he's going to take rates higher? He can not do anything this time. I got a sneaky suspicion he's going to do another 25 basis points. There's just That's just a gut feeling. If I'm wrong, make sure that you remind me how wrong I was. Okay, otherwise I won't remember. Just I'm just saying. I, I like to have people hold my feet to the fire on stuff like this. Now, Grayscale, yay, Grayscale. Yeah, but there's some more to it than that. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust investors who bought December dips are up. They're actually up 137%. Andre Bagansky from Decrypt. As the discount shrinks between the price of Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust and its Bitcoin holdings, 
Traders who scooped up shares during what was perhaps the product's darkest day are notching lucrative gains. Shares of GBTC traded hands at $19.71 when markets opened Thursday, 137% higher than the $8.29 on December December 13th last year. At the time, GBTC traded at a near 50% discount relative to its Bitcoin holdings, the most significant price discrepancy the trust has ever seen, according to Ycharts. GBTC's hefty gains since December the 13th have outperformed Bitcoin itself. (laughs) Since then, Bitcoin's price has increased 48% to around $26,300 from $17,800. Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust, which has $17 billion with a B dollars in assets under management, allows investors to gain Bitcoin exposure in the form of security. Each share represents ownership of Bitcoin currently one, no, I'm sorry, 0.00090084, wow, of a whole coin, which was worth $24.49. So about 25 bucks a share. Just think one grayscale share is going to cost you 25 bucks, something like that. When the market opening bell rang. However, due to the product structure, shares have traded at a discount since February of 2021. GBTC 692 million shares outstanding were collectively valued at $13.6 billion and at a $19.71 a piece, less than the trust's net asset value of $23.73. As a close, sorry, as a closed end fund, shares of GBTC can't easily be redeemed for Bitcoin. This leads to deviations in GBTC's price, as the number of existing shares cannot be adjusted to keep the product's price in line with Bitcoin as it fluctuates due to supply and demand. After the cryptocurrency exchange FTX collapsed last year and digital asset prices plunged, GBTC's discount widened. At its worst, a share of GBTC represented $16.22 worth of Bitcoin, while its going price was $8.29, according to Grayscale's website. If the SEC allows Grayscale to convert into a spot Bitcoin ETF, which the firm has sought for years. A redemption mechanism that comes with the ever-elusive green light would likely cause the discount to disappear altogether. Grayscale took the SEC to court last June after the agency denied its application to convert GBTC into a spot Bitcoin ETF and, following the firm's courtroom victory earlier this week, forcing the SEC to reconsider the discount has been cut to under 20%. The discount momentarily slimmed earlier this year as judges overseeing the now-decided lawsuit heard arguments from Grayscale and the SEC. It shrank to 34% in March on March the 8th from 46% one week before as the judges appeared to scrutinize the SEC. A movement of similar size followed after BlackRock, one of the world's largest asset managers, announced its gambit to establish a spot Bitcoin ETF. The discount had widened again to around 41% on June the 15th, but shrank back to 34% in the week after. Ever since, the discount has continued to shrink. And as it stands, the odds of a spot Bitcoin ETF being approved this year, 
is 75%, according to Bloomberg's ETF experts, Balchunas and Seifert. All right, so GBTC at this point is not looking anywhere close to as bad as it was looking for the length of time that it was looking bad for, which was a long time. There was, I mean, and you don't need GBTC. I'm just saying that if you want to know what's going on in the market with a bunch of normies that cannot or will not buy the actual underlying asset that is Bitcoin itself, this is what they're looking at. This is what they see. They don't, because there are so so many institutions that are required by the SEC, at least in the United States, to have a third party custody their Bitcoin, then they're going to go for things like GBTC. That's why these things actually exist. I'm not saying that it's good, but I'm also not saying that it's necessarily bad. I'm saying for you as a private citizen, there's absolutely no freaking reason whatsoever on the face of God's green earth that you have to have anything to do with this whatsoever. What you do is you just buy Bitcoin and then you just hold Bitcoin. And then after a little while, you buy some more Bitcoin and then you hold that too. And you don't need GBTC, you don't need a 401k, you don't need your employer to do it, you don't need Charles Schwab to do it for you, you don't need whatever. You don't need any of these people to do that for you. You are more than capable of doing this yourself. You're not a baby, you're not in diapers, you can feed yourself, you can walk around. Just don't expose your private keys on a live stream, for God's sakes. The Theranos of Chainalysis. Yes, Bitcoin Magazine. And Lola Leitz is uh, writing this one. After Chain Analysis, head of investigations, Elizabeth Bisbee had to admit to the lack of scientific evidence for the accuracy of Chain Analysis reactor software. Experts of blockchain surveillance firm CypherTrace lay bare flaws in Chain Analysis analysis. <laughs> An expert report filed on August the 8th in the case, United States versus Sterlingov, reveals a range of mistakes in Bisbee's expert report as well as inaccuracies in the heuristics supplied by Chainalysis's reactor software. Chainalysis Reactor is a blockchain surveillance tool used to trace funds on the blockchain for law enforcement purposes. The widespread use of Chainalysis Reactor could pose a serious threat to democratic justice proceedings if that software's findings prove to be unsubstantiated. Roman Sterlingov is an early Bitcoin adopter accused of operating the custodial Bitcoin mixer Bitcoin Fog, who has been awaiting trial in a Virginia jail since 2021. Sterlingov is defended by Tor Eklund, who is currently challenging the findings of Chain Analysis Reactor in court. In Eklund's opinion, Chainalysis is, quote, the Theranos of blockchain forensics. As multiple expert evaluations of Chainalysis's findings in the case show, he may not be wrong. Yeah, no shit. Thank God. In an expert report to determine the viability of the accusations served against Sterlingoff regarding the tracing of funds, Jonell Still, Director of Investigations and Intelligence at CypherTrace, now describes the use of Chainalysis' behavioral clustering heuristic as reckless. Chainalysis's behavioral clustering heuristic aims to detect patterns in the structure or timing of transactions to identify a specific wallet software. By investigating a wallet service's transaction patterns, 
Chainalysis applies clustering algorithms to map addresses belonging to the service. In the case of Bitcoin Fog, CypherTrace has calculated a discrepancy in accuracy of roughly 64% for the behavioral clustering heuristic, which still describes as overly inclusive. The inaccuracy of Chainalysis's behavioral clustering heuristic would then be compounded by successive runs of co-spend and behavioral heuristics, leading to even more unreliable results. Quote, notably, still continues in her report, the heuristic with the highest claimed accuracy rate, find next and find next to, failed to find any link between Mt. Gox, Sterling Goff's transactions, and Bitcoin fog. As opposed to behavioral clustering, find next heuristics are able to provide or produce false discovery rates of only 0.62% and 0.02% respectively. CypherTrace, whose partner include Israeli digital forensic firms Celebrite, as well as the South African open source intelligence firm Maltego, refrains from using behavioral clustering as applied by Chainalysis as it is not a true representation of the flow of funds on chain, making it inaccurate and error-prone still further criticizes Chainalysis's use of a single entity clustering in which a root address is assigned to an entity which may or may not be the correct address that transacted. Such a lumping together of data is described as being non-verifiable and can lead to many tracing errors including a higher probability of false positives and negatives. According to the report, law enforcement and other customers of Chainalysis have approached CypherTrace on this topic and have expressed frustration related to the errors they experience using Chainalysis Reactor. To add insult to injury, still additionally highlights a non-exhaustive list of errors in Bisbee's expert report, such as the use of bits instead of bytes leading to incorrect mathematical assumptions, as well as multiple apparent incorrect identifications of change addresses. The report further highlights the missing of a number of script types, such as P2PK, P2MS, P2WSH, or P2TR, and the incorrect statement that a SegWit address begins with a 3, which also identifies P2SH addresses. Sounds like this woman had no idea what she was talking about. Anyway, citing a lack of data integrity still estimates that there are hundreds of millions of data points that are unverified, which may warrant re-examination of other cases based on these revelations. To protect the integrity of data in criminal justice proceedings, still recommends that chain analysis attribution data should not be used in court for this case, nor in any other case. It has not been audited. The model has not been validated, nor has the collection trail been identified. Damn, it's like a howitzer raining down 55 millimeter shells all over chain analysis. She is just going after the throat, babies. The report highlights the importance of model validation, which can be used to verify the accuracy of data enrichment and provide checks on the performance of a model. Providers should have well-documented, auditable processes for attribution and clustering as opposed to black box models, which use potentially unauthorized customer data and unverified user feedback. Still concludes that blockchain forensics should only be used to generate investigatory leads. Standing alone, 
they're insufficient as a primary source of evidence. What is striking about this case is the conclusions reached, where was I, reached without any corroborative evidence for the blockchain forensics, still further states that the blockchain forensics and tracing tools used in this case were misused to erroneously conclude that Mr. Sterlingov was the operator of Bitcoin Fog when no such evidence exists on chain, still calls the failures of the blockchain forensics in this case structural issues in the space and calls for an independent audit of chain analysis and their methodologies to prevent wrongful arrests like this one and failures in compliance as with FTX. Holy smokes! Who's, who's this? What's this person's name still? What's, let's see if I can get back to where... where uh, uh, hold on for a second. I don't need to get this, this woman's name here. Do, 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 do. No, I'm never going to find it, am I? Uh, ah, Jonelle Still. That's her name, Director of Investigations and Intelligence at CypherTrace. Does that mean that we should be trusting CypherTrace? No, because they're also a chain analysis uh, firm. And they're working with the Israeli intelligence units out of Israel. That one always gives me the willies. Not, I don't have a problem with Israel per se, but their intelligence uh, apparatus is on par with British intelligence and the United States CIA. They're spooks, man. I'm, that's what I'm getting at. She's a spook. So you don't trust her and you don't trust her firm, but whatever. She basically took Chain Analysis, the company, and walked it up to a pole in the middle of town square surrounded by thousands of people, nailed that son of a bitch to the post, and then put 18,000 cords of dry cured firewood underneath its feet, doused it with diesel and lit that son bitch on fire. That's how bad this looks for chain analysis. These are terrible people. They've done terrible things. I'm talking about chain analysis at this point. And if I remember right, CoinDesk bought them. So they're a wholly owned unit by, by, Block uh, CoinDesk or no Coin Coinbase or whatever. In either event, they're terrible people. They do terrible things. It's very clear that their tools suck ass, and they have never ever allowed anybody to see inside of that black box how it is. This judge in this Roman Sterlingov case is even allowing it, any kind of evidence to come out of such a thing is beyond my comprehension. I don't get it. No, I'm not a judge. No, I didn't go to law school. But when somebody says, here's the evidence, the question always is, well, what's the efficacy of the evidence? Show it to us. And in every single case, chain analysis has said, no, we're not going to show you nothing, buddy. The defense attorneys can't get a hold of it. They won't even let them use the software in Roman Sterlingoff's case just to test it. They have to actually buy it for $800,000 or whatever it is that they're charging for this thing. Well, the Romans defense attorneys <clears throat> are paying their own rent out of their own, you know, they're, they're paying a lot of this whole case out of their own pocket. They're not making any money on this guy. They're doing this because they, they see an injustice. And Joe Nell still, still 
literally walked these sons of bitches up and burned them at the stake in front of the church's congregation. Will the judge at this point finally throw out the evidence provided by chain analysis against Roman Sterlinghoff? And will everybody else in the world finally see chain analysis for what it really is? The Theranos of blockchain, just like was stated in the story. It's they don't have what they say they have. That's the whole point. This entire thing, chain analysis can, you know, you're going to be careful of that company chain analysis. They're going to know everything you do. No, no, not with any kind of accuracy at all, which means that they don't know. They don't know. And people's lives are on the line because of it. And honestly, the people at the top of chain analysis, they themselves need to stand in front of a judge and explain themselves and then be thrown into the pit of hell for all of eternity. Peach Bitcoin version 0.3.0 has been released. Open source code, full wallet functionality, group hug, and global south expansion has also been announced by Peach Bitcoin. Quote, oh, by the way, this is no bullshit Bitcoin. Peach 0.3 marks a first-year anniversary of hard work and perseverance. The team behind the product is proud of what has been accomplished. Lots to improve, lots to create, lots to conquer. Our pipeline is packed and our creative capabilities are endless. Peach's next challenge is distribution and liquidity. We are welcoming your feedback, ideas, collaboration. Join our Telegram, Discord, or GitHub, or, you know, just email us. Quote, Peach, the company is still unbanked. Getting revenue in BTC, keeping it in reserve uh, in BTC, and paying its collaborators in BTC. Use the ref code open source to create an account and get one and get one by well. Blah, 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 blah. I could do that again. Use the ref code open source to create an account and get one free buy trade plus sats back when selling. There we go. Okay, so there's new open source code. Uh, the full wallet functionality is described uh, being with UTXO management or coin control, and they've made it easy. Peach on the cake, an address checker, and the possibility to label your addresses for better usage. The API for Peach is now public. We have prepared you full documentation here, and that's a link, and prepared an API wrapper written in TypeScript. If you know what that means, then go for it. Group hug. Batching transactions to fund the escrow. Create up to 10 sell offers by only funding the escrow once. Selling sats to arbitrage or live on a Bitcoin standard has never been easier nor faster. Batching transactions out of the escrow. You can batch your release transactions out of the escrow with other peers to save up to 23% on fees. Global South Expansion. Quote, we are expanding peach to peach Bitcoin trading to Argentina, Colombia, Peru, Chile, Costa Rica, Congo, DC, DRC, Nigeria. Thanks to Glory KW for being our local peach on the ground. So if you guys are peach users, they've just released a whole bunch of new stuff. Might want to go check that shit out. And while you're there, you might as well go ahead and check out Sparrow Wallet version 1.7.9, Wallet Accounts Summary Dialogue, and more. Also from No BS Bitcoin. Quote, this release includes the much requested feature of a summary of the accounts in a wallet. Use accounts to segregate UTXOs from different origins or for different purposes, but keep track of your total using this dialogue access from the view menu. 
uh, misspelt a transaction label. Well, when you fix it, your change will now be propagated to related addresses and UTXOs. Previously, only empty labels would change. If you have changed the address of a UTXO label to something else, however, it won't be affected. Uh, there are several other features and bug fixes, including an upgrade to HWI version 2.3.1, another public Electrum server. Thanks, Seth, for privacy and other UX improvements. So if you are a Sparrow Wallet user, then you're going to want to check out version 1.7.9. And that's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. It's Friday, Friday, Friday. Dad says jokes. What what did one fungi say to another fungi when they got married? I want to grow mold with you. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can drop me some Boostergrams. You can stream me Satoshis. You can point your finger at me and laugh, or you can give me websites like PFAF.org, which I never would have known about had it not been for the fact that Henry threw me that particular website in a Boostergram. So not only... Do I get something out of it, and then I get something out of it again, but then I get something out of it again? I hope I'm giving you what it is that you're getting out of it while you're listening to the show so that you know what the hell's going on every day, Monday through Friday. That's just the way that I do things. I've been doing this for a long time, and I can always use the support, and I always appreciate everybody's support. Because you guys support me, through things like podcasting 2.0 means I'm kind of on the hook when you guys want to throw me something that you want me to mention. Do you have a product? Do you have a service that you would like to sell? Do you have an upcoming event that you would like to announce? Let me know. You don't even necessarily have to do it in a boostagram, although those are always appreciated because of the Satoshis going to my lightning node. You can just DM me on, I don't know, freaking Noster or whatever, or, or on, in, in Telegram. I'm starting to try to get over there more and more. Uh, but like if you've got a website that you think people would really like to know about, then let me know. I want to be able to have an audience that is part, not only is part of the audience, but is part of the ecosystem that I'm reporting on in the first place, right? So if you want to be in the Circle P, let me know. And like uh, like our friend Rev.Hoddle, like I've been doing, I've been, he's been solid Circle P for the entire week because he's got that permaculture uh, uh, outing that he's doing over in Baroda, Michigan on September the 17th. And he's given me a percentage of ticket sales, right? He's got 21 tickets that cost 250,000 Satoshis apiece. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. And then also remember, I am interviewing him today at 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. That would be 1 p.m. Eastern Time. <clears throat> so tune into that because that is going to be on a Noster nest, which I will actually, you know, I'll, I'll throw a note out there on Noster with the uh, link to that nest when I've got that thing spun up. Other than that, I hope you have a fantabulous weekend. I will see you on the other side, but not before you listen to Fool Me by Fool Me.